0: Tesco and Sainsbury's will have screwed Muller down on the processing costs in order to subsidise the aligned price. So they may have been good for a few select farmers, but good for the industry as a whole. I think that's highly debatable. And I think their time has come. And I'm not the only one in the industry who thinks that.
1: You've just heard from dairy analyst Chris Walkland talking about how some of the retailers are failing to react quick enough to market changes, leaving them lagging behind in price. It's a story that's been hitting our headlines this week. I'm Hannah Bins, Farmers' Guardian's news and business reporter, and on this week's Udly Brilliant podcast, we'll be covering the latest milk moves and farmers' confidence in the sector going forward. Can you all introduce yourself for our listeners at home?
0: Uh, Chris Walkland, a journalist and commentator specialising in the dairy industry and dairy
2: markets. Yeah, Michael Oakes, uh, chair of the NFU National Dairy Board on Milking Cows in the West Midlands.
3: And I'm Kat Jack, and I'm a market analyst in the dairy team at AHDB. Um, So to kick off our discussions today,
1: I just wondered if either Chris or Michael could give me a bit of an overview of the milk market. Um, What are some of the processes paying at the moment?
0: I think a lot of processes have, have very recently kicked up to um, about a 46 pence uh, threshold on a standard litre basis, with the cheese payers on manufacturing paying a bit more. So, yeah, there's been another step up thanks, I think, to Arla and U who set the pace. Arla slightly under 46 for June, U uh, Tree raising the bar to 46p for July. Um, and there's a, quite a few other processors who have yet to announce for July, but will have to pay
2: that sort of uh, uh,
0: price.
1: And are there any big gaps between any of the processors?
2: Uh, I would say the aligned suppliers on the cost of production model feel that they're, they've are they been left behind at this moment in time.
1: Are there any particular retailers that are troubling you?
0: Well, Tesco and Sainsbury are, are the ones that are dragging their feed via the cost of production model. Uh, but I think they are going to have to uh, do something else. Even more of their farmers uh, are going to leave. I think the other notable processor is on the organic side, which is OMSCO, which is paying a pretty desperate price now, uh, With the especially in relation to the additional costs that the organic sector faces. The OMSCO price is less than the conventional price, And I've never known
1: that before. And going back to the retailers, you mentioned uh, Sainsbury's and Tesco's uh, are the ones kind of troubling farmers. What are farmers on the ground feeling about them?
2: Yeah, I I was talking to a Tesco supplier the other day that's on 75% uh, Tesco price, 25% Muller price, and it's the first time ever for him recently that the uh, non-aligned price is considerably better than the aligned price. and he. He said he's had a very, very tough uh, last uh, last few months, um, where in the past he's been pretty well insulated from uh, rising inflationary costs. Uh, their their model just isn't working at the moment for those guys, and it's not it's not uh, it's not delivering what it always has done in the past.
0: Would you agree, Chris? Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. You know, ironically, the very best farmers in the Tesco pool over the years have been Uh, rewarded with additional litres via QVIS and now they're effectively penalised for being the best farmers because the muller price is higher and needless to say there's a lot of discontent uh, within that that pool.
1: And are farmers voting with the feet and if so where are they likely
2: to go? I think I think some farmers are definitely voting with their feet, and they're they're just walking away from the aligned pool and, and staying with their with the process they're with. Because actually, they're, they're, you know there's a there's a dividend on day one at this moment in time, and they don't see um, they're being put right very quickly.
0: There's also a lot of Sainsbury's farmers that have gone to I think the likes of Saputo uh, in the south. There's been some aggressive recruitment in the south. Uh, Southwest, and I think there's a fair number that have gone to the cheesemakers. Same with Tesco. I know Crediton have taken on a few and Barbers have taken on a few, and these are good payers. So, unsurprisingly, they are um, they are attracting uh, the uh, aligned farmers. But it's not only a price issue. I would also say that Tesco have really irritated farmers with their QVIS, and there are some ridiculous demands uh, on the Qvis scheme, and you know they've been they've caused a lot of stress for the farmers that are at the bottom end of the Qvis. A lot of unnecessary stress over the years, and I think that's uh, um, catching up with Tesco. And although Tesco have just said that the bottom tier, the bottom five percent of farmers, now won't be kicked off the Tesco pool. I think the damage has been done. The reputation is, is, um, has done damage.
2: I think the uh, the fact that they're no longer uh, putting those bottom 5% of QBIS scores on, on notice uh, is a reflection of the fact that they're losing farmers.
0: Yeah, I think they're losing a lot of farmers. I think uh, I've estimated that around 10% of Tesco's pool of 540 farmers could have, quit dairying, be quitting daring or resign to go to other processes. And that figure is probably a bit light now because it's a couple of weeks old uh, when I did those estimates and it's probably higher. It could be 15% now. Mm.
1: So would I be right in thinking that maybe some of the retailers are a bit worried about their milk volumes going forward?
2: I think they, uh, yeah, I think they are. Yes, um, and as I said, if you know, if they're no longer putting the poorest scoring farmers on notice, that's a reflection of that. Uh, but also, if they're committed to those pools, they'll they'll have to go out and find that milk elsewhere, won't they? And then the only way they're going to do that is actually by having a model which actually does reflect the true cost of production, which is considerably greater than their model is delivering at the moment. And by doing that, Michael,
0: that is a reflect that is a, an admission that the cost of production uh, model is no longer fit for purpose.
2: Well, I don't think it's been able to respond uh, quick enough to the, the the seismic changes that we've seen in feed, fuel, and fertilizer, and you know, and uh, and labor's not getting any cheaper either. So um, it may have worked in the past in normal times, but it's certainly not worked quick enough uh, in the times we're in now.
0: No, but also Tesco's and Sainsbury's decision-making is not fast enough either. They are notoriously slow at making decisions. Now, whether that's going to speed up or not, I don't know. I would, I would question that. I would say that it needs to speed up significantly, but whether it will do or not is, a, is another
2: matter. Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Do you think the processors, uh, well, the retailers, are likely to adjust their cost of production models then in light of what's happening, or do you think they'll stick to the guns?
2: I don't. I think if they're serious about maintaining the pools that they've got and maintaining the relationship with their supplying farmers, then they're going to have to. Um, Otherwise, they'll have substantially smaller pools and won't be able to sort of claim what they claim at this moment in time.
0: Well, I think they will have to, but they won't want to because... Farmers are not their priority. Their priorities are their customers and their shareholders, and they will kick and scream against anything that is going to increase uh, their um, sourcing costs, including uh, their milk price to farmers. So they won't want to do it at all, but they're going to have to do it.
2: And we also know that the, the aligned pools weren't really set up for the benefit of the farmers either initially. They were, they were all about retailers being seen to be doing the right things from a consumer angle um, and actually right now, it's, you know, it's very hard to defend uh, the, the price that their supplying farmers are getting and I, I, I very much doubt the consumers put two and two together at this moment in time but, uh, you know, who's to say what happens in the future?
1: Do you think they're fit for purpose going forward or do you think they need a big shake-up?
2: I think, I think they could be, but they need to be more reactive to what's going on, uh, you know, uh, with the cost of inputs. Um, you know, I, I think well, probably way back, you know, just after Christmas, January, February time, um, you know, fertiliser had gone up 2% and, and one of the models was, re- was reflecting a 20% increase in fertiliser costs. It just wasn't even in, in the right ballpark.
1: Chris, have you any thoughts on this?
2: If these sorts
0: of prices are going to be the new norm, then you have to question whether they are fit for the future and whether they are really required. They were brought in years ago during a particularly turbulent time for the dairy industry and they have paid some farmers very well. However, I don't believe they have been good for the whole industry because I think if you take the Muller pool, the price for the Muller direct has been lower than it otherwise would have been with these pools in place. And that is because Tesco and Sainsbury's will have screwed Muller down on the processing costs in order to subsidize the aligned price. So they may have been good for a few select farmers, but good for the industry as a whole. I think that's highly debatable. And I think their time has come, and I'm not the only one in the industry who thinks that.
2: And ultimately, what it what it did there was turn the processes into contract processes for a fixed margin. And that was considerably less than the margin the processors were potentially making before the aligned pools came along. And that's probably stopped some investment in the industry, I guess, and and further sort of diversification into other dairy products within, you know, processes themselves.
0: I would agree with that, but I would also say that that investment is happening now. You can see that with Muller's recent announcement and what Arla have been saying about what they can do with their milk to add value to it over and above what they get from processing uh, the white stuff into white bottles
2: well we 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 both know that uh, both of the two major retailers supplying uh liquid milk into uh into real retailers have not been making a, a great deal of money out of it, and at times they've made considerable losses have not they
1: and where do you see the milk market going if you had a crystal ball? what kind of prices could you predict for september
2: um i I actually personally and uh, you know I was at the dean conference and chris was there was there too um everybody's questioning just how high it can go. But it's, you know, there's nothing out there globally at the moment, not just within the UK, that is going to drive production, even at the levels that, that the highest farmers are getting today. You know, I, I've yet to speak to a farmer that's going to put his foot down, that's going to actually produce more. Um, you know, we've just done an intention survey within the NFU, and, you know, we, 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 there's nothing actually that's coming through in all the feedback we've had which is going to increase production whatsoever.
0: I think the big question is, is if or will prices get to 50p? At the moment, I still think that is looking like a very difficult threshold to cross. But with all those milk volume uh, figures and prospects in mind, who knows what's going to happen in the trough? Now, the person with the best crystal ball, or should have the best crystal ball, is of course Cat. Maybe she'll put a AHDB um, uh, foot and uh, foot in it and say, well, not foot in it, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> the AHDB opinion and say, yeah, we think prices are going to go to fifty p.
3: Oh, I think I'd be very wary about saying anything as radical as that. Um, I mean as Mike has already said that a lot of the market indicators are still supporting higher prices um, globally. Supplies are still tight. Um, and the outlook isn't for them to get much higher at the moment, uh, especially with costs still being so high uh, and there will eventually be a limit to how much customers are willing to pay on the wholesale prices side um, and, with, and the rising wholesale prices have been what's supporting the farm gate prices so far. Um, so, I'm going to give a very non-committal answer here, Chris. I know you're trying to get uh, the unfortunately the HDB crystal ball is not any extra um, any extra effectiveness than any other crystal ball.
0: Okay, well <laughs> so I'm going to sit positive. on the fence. I'm going to sit on the fence and say they'll get to 50p on a manufacturing liter, but not on a standard liter. So that's yeah, well, one bum cheek on either side of the fence.
2: Yeah, well, well, that, that that could be rather uncomfortable, Chris, but. Um, just one of the things that Carl uh, that alluded to was, you know, how uh, basically people will stop buying less dairy if it gets to a certain tipping point, And none of us know where that point is. The, the one positive in, in that equation is that a lot of the other uh, fats, whether they're vegetable fats or, or non-dairy fats, are also facing the same kind of inflationary costs. So, you know, food processors that would normally move away to a different product don't potentially have that option that they've had in the past.
1: Um, you mentioned your recent survey, Michael. I wondered whether you could give our listeners a bit more information about what came out of that.
2: Yeah, it was a quick sort of snapshot. I think over about a week, 10 days, actually, um, we had 610 responses, of, of which 7% said that they wouldn't be milking cows in two years' time. 15% were still undecided. Uh, you know, that's quite a sizable uh, percentage of dairy farmers that are either planning to quit or in two years' time or wondering whether they would still be milking cows in two year time two years time production intentions there was no clear positive or negative people were sort of sitting on the fence about volumes but no clear appetite to p- p- produce a lot more milk and the main concern over the next two years was uh input costs and that's feed fuel fertilizer and energy as as you'd expect regulation was also having a, a big issue you know environmental regulation and legislation that's coming along is going to add cost, um, that, that's, that, that could be well a tipping point. Labour on some farms was a massive issue, on others it was, it was not an issue. Um, and in order to, you know, farmers were saying in order to increase production, uh, you know, they needed to see better returns, not, 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 the, not the milk price, but better margins, stability in input prices and some kind of supportive legislation rather than legislation that, which is just going to add cost to the industry.
1: And does that reflect uh, what you're hearing, Chris and Kat,
0: Yeah, there's no there doesn't seem to be any appetite. There's no great excitement out there because of the higher prices. Because what's happening is just farmers are juggling money, they're juggling more money faster than they've ever juggled it before. So what's coming in through the door via the milk check is going out through the door in the costs.
2: And, And and in some cases the risk is greater that they're taking, isn't it? In in reality.
0: Absolutely, yeah. But it's not only um, farmers that are taking the risk, uh, processors and traders are taking the risk too, uh, in terms of the uh, products that they've got. And one of the traders was telling me the other day that the banks have not increased the credit limit, for example, on transport. So when cheddar was three thousand pound a ton, we had a 20, load, twenty ton load of cheddar. That's sixty grand. You could get credit insurance for sixty grand. But now the credit insurance may well have stayed at 60 grand, but the cheddars at £5,000 a tonne almost aren't the cover for a full load. So it's not only farmers that are taking ever greater risks at these ever greater prices.
1: And Kat, I'm aware that AHDB's done a survey which found that fewer farmers are leaving the dairy industry despite the challenges. I
3: wonder if you could tell us a bit
1: more about that.
3: Yeah. So um, twice a year in April and October, uh, we run a survey in order to produce an estimated figure for the number of milk producers in Great Britain. And our April figures came out recently um, showing uh, that we're estimating there's 7,880 dairy producers in GB at the moment, um, which is down from 8,040 in April 2021. Um, That represents a 2% decline, um, but that is less than we've seen in our previous surveys where it was around a 4% decline instead. Um, So it is a slower rate of exit despite the um, challenges. We're not, uh, we don't have a definite answer as to the why of that. Um, Perhaps it'll tie into kind of uh, what Michael was saying about their survey where farmers are kind of holding off, waiting and seeing. We certainly um, kind of have seen the reaction has been more to produce less milk um, than perhaps necessarily to leave the industry completely. over the last year, we have seen more prices going up and especially from kind of November onwards, we've seen those bigger, more consistent price increases. So it's possible that that's been enough to keep farmers interested in staying in the game instead of leaving it completely. Um, but however, there is still obviously the cost factor that we've already discovered. Um, that means there will still be, whether that's covering it um, and how that will go going forward will be kind of what we'll have to wait and see. Um, we'll have to see whether this is kind of a blip or a new trend as the kind of survey continues
1: and michael chris are you seeing less farmers leave the industry um if
2: you talk to auctioneers they're saying they're getting a lot of inquiries for sale dates um and, and you've only got to open the farmer's guardian classified section and there's there's a considerable amount of cows being sold almost on a weekly basis but yeah and that always happens, and I, you know but like i say there's, you know the intention survey that we did, you know seven percent said they wouldn't be milking in two years' time, and fifteen percent were undecided that's That's a sizable part of the industry i guess yeah
0: that's i would defer, I would defer to ahDB and nFU for for that, that sort because they've got better better data than I have on intentions But I think it's worth adding that there are a lot of organic farmers that seem to be contemplating going to conventional because of the dire financial situation that that some organic farmers are facing depending on who they're selling to so you know i'm picking up a lot of comment from that sector about you know switching back to conventional and out of organic
2: And I I think there's also quite a bit of uncertainty amongst those guys as well. Uh, You know, it's a premium product on on the retail shelf. Will consumers actually start to trade down, um, you know, and and, and walk away from organic? I mean, a small percentage will, I guess. But, you know, it's always a fear, isn't it, I guess?
1: What are your thoughts, Kat?
3: It's, at the moment, um, something we don't have, um, like, official data on uh, the numbers, uh, in the organic separate to everything else. So i probably have to defer to those two still. Um, but certainly as, there are trends that, you know, if prices go higher, we could see consumers um, trading down. Um, to kind of cope with that cost, that is certainly an option.
0: Your organic milk volumes show that volumes are absolutely tanking. Yeah, true. They are. It's daily production on farm, so there are a lot of organic farmers that are, I think are taking a deep breath and wondering what to do. Yeah, they're, true. They're they are. Daily, daily production on farms, so there are a lot of organic farmers that are, I think are taking a deep breath and wondering what to do. Quite possibly, yeah.
2: Uh, right now, actually, they could farm organically and make more from a conventional milk buyer uh, if they happen to be supplying certain buyers, uh, certain processes, Uh so they could they could in effect keep their organic status and uh, and come back in at a later point, I guess.
1: So, again, looking ahead, where do you see the industry this time next year?
2: Um, I, I think we'll still see uh, a lack of uh, production or, or less production. I still think you know demand will outstrip supply uh, for a considerable period of time, and um, it's just where the Market tops out at. I guess I don't know. Uh, you know, we've seen. You know, at the, at the fuel stations today, I think in the West Midlands, we've seen the record ever level of uh, the price of diesel has gone over the two pound, over two pound in some garages in the West Midlands. That you know feeds through back to you know our energy costs, uh, without a doubt. Um, so I, I think you know dairy is going to be in demand. Uh, you know Arla's bold statement about you know exporting dairy to uh, and milk to other countries that pay a better return I think they they, they meant it and uh, I think we'll see more of that um, and if the government's you know genuine about sort of opening up export markets and our market won't actually pay the price I think processors will start to invest in markets that that actually will pay a better return um, and that'll also make the UK retailers sit up and pay attention I guess
3: Chris Katz your thoughts i think almost i mean there's still so much uncertainty in the world situation i mean michael's already kind of covered the dairy um the production and supply side of things and we've also got the fact that costs um are still a very kind of volatile situation there's still a lot of uncertainty i think the kind of guarantee is probably that uncertainty will continue but um with a lot of the factors that have been affecting the Um, high costs of production seem to be continuing. I think they're definitely still going to be a big concern in the coming year and season. And that will have an impact, continue to have an impact
0: on production and prices, as Michael already said. I think dairy will still be a good place to be, but the, um, the, the, the juggling pace, if you like, isn't going to slow down. I can't see that slowing down for a while. I think prices will have to go up in shops and will go up in shops. But I think dairy does represent good value for money still, especially when you uh, look at some of the other foods that are being sold at the prices that they are being sold at. However, there will be an element of consumers moving away from brands like um, Lurpak and Cathedral City to own label. That's going to be a given, I think, uh, because, because of the prices and the cost price squeeze but you know i can i can still see agriculture and dairying being a a positive place to be because it produces such great value nutritious food and that has got to be valued more by consumers and retailers and i think the time has come for for it to be valued more mm.
1: Well, I'm afraid we're running out of time for today's discussion. It's been really interesting having you all on and hear your different opinions on where the market's at. Um, So thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. To learn more about this topic and hear the retailers' reactions, make sure you check out this week's edition of Farmer's Guardian or our website. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, then please let us know on social media. We'd love to know your feedback. And if there's anything else you'd like to get in touch with us about, then drop us a line on podcasts at farmersguardian.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.